Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone interested in growing sales. Have you ever considered building your very own sales playbook? Did you know that playbooks can increase sales success and accountability? This episode is brought to you by our latest ebook, The Ultimate Guide to Creating and Managing a Sales Playbook. In it, you'll find a step-by-step model for creating a sales playbook for your business. Go ahead and grab your copy. You can find the link in today's show notes at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod191. Today's podcast is part of our CFS Roundtable series, where our very own team here at Criteria for Success shares sales ideas, techniques, tips, and insights for CEOs, sales managers, and salespeople. This series is all about growth, improvement, and producing breakthrough results. This is Laura Marchoff, and today I'm talking to our operations officer and senior advisor, Elizabeth Frederick. Hey, Laura. And marketing and innovation manager, Ariana Miskell. Thank you both for being here today. Our theme for this month is sales playbooks and why it's so important for a company to store their tribal knowledge. Our discussion today will address what that means and how you can build an active cross-functional sales playbook for your own team. Now, let's start with the first question. What is a sales playbook and why is it important for companies to store their tribal knowledge? All right, this is Elizabeth and I'll jump in here. To me, a sales playbook needs to house a company's best practices, templates, and processes. It's where sales reps should be able to find everything that they need from how to use the CRM system to where to look for leads to what qualifying questions they should ask and what decks they should use for marketing. So it's a key source to help sales reps really be successful. It's also a great place for other departments to share key information with sales, like account management processes or the latest collateral for marketing. Storing and sharing tribal knowledge in a sales playbook is important for so many different reasons. First of all, it's an incredibly powerful resource for your existing team. They can all learn from each other. Maybe Ariana would hear an objection and have the best possible response to it, and I wouldn't necessarily be able to think of a response. But then I might have a great way to present a specific part of our solution that maybe Laura wouldn't think of. And so she's able to take that. And if we're all sharing our individual best practices, each of us can be better. Second, it's really an excellent tool for new hires. Can you imagine starting as a sales rep at a company and on day one, you have a pre-built library of success stories, of the best lead sources to follow up with, the best questions to ask, you're going to be able to get up and running so much faster than if you didn't have it. You don't have to spend a lot of time and effort figuring things out for yourself and kind of making mistakes and learning from those mistakes. And then finally, and sorry, I'm, I'm kind of monologuing a bit, but it's really great for the organization overall because unfortunately people leave. <laughs> and so you might have that one person who is just the absolute best at talking about a part of your solution and then they retire or they resign or you have to let them go for some reason, whatever it might be. And that knowledge goes out the door with them. If you took the time to build the sales playbook and pull all of the best practices from everybody on the team, you're going to have that information and it's available um, for all those new hires in future. So I think Elizabeth did a great job talking about what a sales playbook is, and I really don't have much to add. Um, So I think I'm going to talk a little bit about why it's important for companies to store their tribal knowledge in a sales playbook. Um, And the first thing that I want to talk about actually is something that really inspired me. I was at a 
speaking engagement a couple weeks ago, and the man who was speaking mentioned that companies who are looking to be to go through evaluation or some type of merger acquisition mm-hmm. need to have their tribal knowledge documented. And I sat there and I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing because that's what we do. And I never thought of it <laughs> like that. And it's perfect for a sales playbook. Um, but other than that, I would say that one of the biggest problems that a playbook solves is just disorganization. A lot of times we see companies that have multiple sales reps with multiple sales processes and there's no one's aligned. Um, it helps to answer questions. So a lot of times um, maybe a salesperson reaches out to another salesperson to or, or to a sales leader to ask a question and it takes time to get a response. So you can just consult the sales playbook for any information you need. And then it's really, it helps get departments working together. So a big problem for a lot of companies these days is that departments are siloed. Mm-hmm. When companies, Uh, departments like marketing and sales actually need to work together for success. Um, So I think those are a few of the problems the playbook solves, but I know Elizabeth probably have more to say. Absolutely. I want to kind of expand on something that you had mentioned, because when there's not one place that you can store documents, templates, processes, and best practices, it's almost impossible for the team to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. So people are going to, just by default of the situation, they're going to end up using their own versions of documents. You don't want sales reps uh. sending decks that they customized on their own and no. you know terrible messaging, um, bad pictures, wrong um, information, incorrect information. Absolutely. They might use out-of-date versions. So, you know, that was the stat for 2017, and somehow it's still in their deck in 2019 and 2020. Um, Maybe you've changed your messaging, and you know what's more resonant because you did research, Mm -hmm. but reps are out there using the old information. And again, it's not their fault because if everything is just all over the place, you you don't want sales reps sitting and spending hours and hours just kind of like looking through your database to try to find this stuff. It needs to be um, a single place that they know they can find the latest and the best content. And then if you don't have that sales playbook, it's hard to even know what best practices, what tribal knowledge you need to document. So as you're going through the process of planning and building your sales playbook, you're going to see where there are gaps, where there are areas for improvement. Maybe we realize we don't have a list of qualifying criteria. We've just kind of thought it was in people's heads. That tells us we need to build our list of qualifying criteria. Um, Or maybe you have a lot of different lead sources and you've never taken the time to figure out which ones are the most impactful and, and are going to produce the best leads. As you're scoping out your playbook and you're thinking, I want a page with the best lead sources, it's probably worth a little bit of a project to figure out which lead sources pan out the most. And so just the process of building the sales playbook is actually going to drive you to improve your sales process. Right. Because you're going to get to certain pages and you're going to be like, oh yeah, we 100% have a process for this. And then you sit down with your team and you're like, all right, guys what's the process? And everyone's like, um, (laughs) or, you know, the process is X, Y, Z. And then you say, no, 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 it's not. It's one, two, three. And it's like, oh, wow. I didn't realize that everybody was on completely different pages. That's a breakthrough. And it's better to figure that out than to just hum along happily thinking you've got a process that you don't actually have. Definitely. Absolutely. And thank you both for your insight. So, Let's get into the core elements of an effective sales playbook. What are they and how should you begin that build-out process? So I will get us started by saying in 
The sales playbooks that we build, we have five areas of success, and these include prospecting, selling, support, system, and team. Um, And each of these areas are meant to be built out in order to support the entire sales organization and those other departments that also support the sales organization. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So prospecting, that's where you're going to put all of the tools and resources and best practices to generate opportunities. So you think about it, I've I've mentioned it a couple of times, what are the best lead sources? Mm -hmm. What are the best questions to ask prospects? What's your overall value proposition? Um, What kinds of events are are best for people to attend? Do you have processes around attending events? Do you have um, steps that people are expected to follow? Everything associated with generating opportunities goes in your prospecting section. Then under selling, okay, you've identified an opportunity. How do you run a discovery meeting? Um, What are your core presentations? What are your follow-up email templates? Um, What are the the proposal templates that people should be using? Mm -hmm. How do you scope deals? Um, Any negotiation or closing best practices? Everything associated with opportunity management into what are your pipeline stages and what do they mean? That's in the selling section. Support is when you start to to pull in information from different departments. So what? how does marketing interact with sales? What are your sales management best practices? We often find that you need to build out a sales management playbook within your sales playbook because a lot of organizations don't have best practices for sales management. It's just like you get promoted to sales manager, okay, manage the team. And it's like, uh, what do I do? <laughs> and so um, we have a resource that we can include in the show notes that has checklists that sales managers um, can use. And then um, what other departments do you have? Do you have, you know, client services or delivery, operations? Engineering is a big one. Absolutely. And so in the support section, they can communicate how do they support sales? How does sales work with them? Mm -hmm. Um, What are, even just who are the key people to contact in a big company Mm -hmm. that's spread out? People don't know each other. Maybe recent product updates. I don't know, depending on what you're selling. Yeah, we've seen um, where people have put, here's what's out of stock. Mm -hmm. Here's what we have a high inventory of. Here are the current promotions. Um, For marketing to communicate, here's an email that went out to the customers and you can see what it is. So when you're calling somebody and they're like, oh yeah, I saw the latest email. You're not like, uh, can you read it to me? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You definitely want to make sure that sales has that information. And then in system, what are the different systems that people use and what are the, the best practices? Do you have a video conferencing system? Is there a way that people are supposed to log in? How do you set up a meeting? Um, obviously your CRM system, what are your, what are your policies around that? So often we see organizations are just rolling out more and more and more systems, and there's not a single person in the sales team that really understands how to use all of them. Or you have that one poor sales enablement person who's just taking calls all the time, like, how do I set up a video conference? (laughs) What do I do to get the dial in for the conference line? And if if that's in the playbook, you can just point people to that, and eventually they learn that's where I go. And I just want to mention, too, that we put together a really great um, blog post or an article, whatever you want to call it, and it's called The Breakthrough Guide to Building and Managing a Sales Playbook. Off the top of my head, I believe that's the name, but we will link to that in the show notes, um, and it includes everything that we just talked about, and it's all written down nice and pretty for you guys to read. Definitely. And the final section that Arianna mentioned, team, is the least Uh, It's the most kind of complicated to understand um, and to explain, but that's where you should be sharing best practices for working together as a team and selling as a team. The power of a sales playbook is 
promoting teamwork and um, getting people to collaborate and work together. And so we've seen people put um, little short bios of everybody on the team, the org chart. Um, we had a client that everybody would had to post a page about something that they were passionate about and they could communicate with each other on that. They got some pretty funny answers. Um, but just letting people work together, you know, a book club is something to host in the team section of the playbook. Really promote that power of team, and you'll be amazed at what comes out of it that you wouldn't have even been able to envision before you started. Thank you for that. Um, and what are your uh, both of your favorite parts of the sales playbook? All right, I'm going to start. And I say this because we do surveys of users, and Almost every time people say this is their favorite part of the sales playbook, it's having a robust library of success stories in the sales playbook. You picture, again, you're that sales rep and it's your first week on the job and you go out on a meeting on your own because your manager let you, um, which is a little scary, but <laughs> you go out and you meet with somebody and they want to talk about, you know, you talk about your solution. They're like, oh yeah, can you tell us about where you've done that before? You're like, um, actually I can't. <laughs> Not a great answer. Or... You, you maybe kind of stumble along. You don't have many stories or any stories to tell. And then you get your first deal and you were doing a project of one type. You're going to tell that same story over and over and over again because it's your mm -hmm. one story. But other people on your team have stories and they're not their stories. They're the company's stories. Definitely. And so if I go in and I hear about a specific type of of project, and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember Ariana mentioned a story where there was a very similar type of project, and I know enough about it to be dangerous. <laughs> I can tell that story, and suddenly I'm demonstrating expertise. It's relevant to the the listener and that prospect, and then um, I'm empowered to really go out there and speak about our solution in a more powerful way than if I were just saying, we have these features, we do these things, mm -hmm. I can describe it, you know, I, I listen to the training. And so that library of success stories to me is just the most, it, it's some work to build it out, but once you have it, it's just the most powerful section in a sales playbook. And we do have a fantastic training episode of this Let's Talk Sales podcast on storytelling that Elizabeth and I did uh, not too long ago. And it's really great if you want to work on building out a library of success stories or even just get your team on the right path to storytelling uh, to begin with. Definitely. And I believe we also have an ebook. Oh yeah, we have everything, <laughs> everything about storytelling that you could ever want. It's there, but I definitely loved the podcast episode that we recorded about that. That was a lot of fun. It was fun. So I guess I will talk about my favorite part of the sales playbook now. Mine is a little bit biased because I use our sales playbook as a marketing employee and not a salesperson. But for me, it's just as useful. So I use the common problems list, which is derived from the problem opportunity matrix, which is where the success stories live. <laughs> Stay with me. I it promise. all fits together. It all fits together. But um, for me, it's the common problems list. So we practice inbound marketing at Criteria for Success. And that is why we have a podcast and we have all this content that we're talking about because we really want to provide value to our listeners and to our audience um, and help you guys out with your sales as much as we can. So the common problem list helps me to understand exactly what type of content to make for you guys. Um, and it helps me to know if it's relevant. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be we wouldn't be making an episode about sales playbooks if 
people in sales didn't use sales playbooks. <laughs> so it kind of guides me as a marketer. Um, but even I love seeing it for our clients as well because we help them build out their common problems list and then we help their marketing teams to understand how they can use them. And it just seems like a really profound way to organize your campaigns. And it's holistic. It's made by your sales team. It's made by the people in your company. You know, you're not sitting around a table and just deciding one day what the common problems are. Like there's actually um, research and thought that goes into this. So for me, the common problems list has my heart. All right. Well, as I was listening to you, I couldn't help but think of my second maybe favorite <laughs> part of sales playbooks. And that's when a company builds out a robust and useful marketing area within their sales playbook. Because sales and marketing need to be aligned and they need to work together. We've talked about a couple of the different reasons for that. You know, sales needs to know what's the message that marketing is putting out there so that they're not talking about different things. If it's based on a common shared resource, like common problems, it's going to be easy. But still, it's good to know just what what are the messages that they're sharing Um, to be able to see, you know, here's the latest collateral. And I know because I can go to the marketing section of the playbook and it's always got the latest collateral to know about what are the campaigns that are happening? What's the timetable? What's What are the promotions that are coming up? Um, even what are the events that are happening? Marketing a lot of times will post that in their section of the playbook. That really promotes an understanding within the sales team of what marketing is doing. And if marketing is in the sales playbook, they're thinking about sales. They're thinking about how should sales understand what we're doing and just that thoughtfulness really provides a better level of alignment between marketing and sales than you see. It breaks down a silo just by the nature of them building that section um, to work together. And we really see um, significant change that can just literally come out of the, the first step of building out that marketing section. Absolutely. And so on that, um, last month we talked and wrote about the importance of handling objections and Best practice responses or common problems are also a great example of what a company should document in their sales playbook. So how can documenting increase overall productivity and processes for employees across the board? So this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, but one of the biggest things with sales is that salespeople actually only spend less than a third of their time selling. Um, and the rest is doing admin work, searching for information, trying to get questions answered, um, sales team meetings, pondering life, who knows? <laughs> searching the internet, <laughs> searching on the Twitter. Internet. But, you know, a lot of time is wasted waiting on answers or just feeling apprehensive about selling, um, whether it's handling objections like, oh, what if this prospect says this to me? Or um, I don't have a success story. Oh, I've only worked here for a few months. Oh, the product has changed and I'm not too confident. Um, And all of that can be documented in the sales playbook. And I really think it helps sales reps with their confidence. Um, And then that increases productivity, obviously, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, That kind of relates to what I wanted to talk about, which is that when everybody has access to the most effective best practices, everybody levels up. And so instead of having that like few top performers that sit on top of your sales team and they're the ones who always hit their targets and, and then you've got kind of maybe some people in the middle and the people at the bottom and you're like, they're selling the same stuff. They have similar territories. Mm -hmm. Why are these people superstars? And these people are constantly missing their targets. Um, 
Instead, everybody knows what it takes to succeed. Everybody has the same best practices. It's not that Ariana has this magical thing that she knows that I don't know, or Laura has this great technique. Instead, I have the ability to adopt both of those things. And that's incredibly powerful. That's also really helpful for managers and leaders as they're evaluating their teams. So if everybody has access to the same best practices and the most up-to-date best practice material, it's worth a conversation with somebody who isn't using them or isn't successful to say, hey, you know, this, this works for everybody else. Um, is there a reason that you're not using it? Um, maybe you'll learn that there's a better way to do it or a different way. But if somebody is not performing well, um, they're missing their targets, this will give you um, an insight into maybe what's contributing to that. We often find that managers aren't necessarily comfortable letting people go. And I'm not saying just like fire everybody, but a lot of times people feel a sense of, I didn't give somebody everything that they needed to be successful. And so it's hard for me to hold them accountable. But if I've given you a great resource that has all the best practices in it, all of the tribal knowledge that you might need, and you're not using it, I can hold you accountable to that. I can say, you know, you have in there success stories to tell. Why aren't you telling success stories? Mm-hmm. You have on there the best questions to ask. Why aren't you Why aren't you asking those questions? You know, I sat in on a meeting with you. Why didn't you talk about the common problems? Um, and not to be like you know haranguing them and harassing them, but just to say, hey, you know, let let's figure out how you can apply these best practices to to be more successful. Yeah, like the information's there. You know, let's use try it. to yeah use it. <laughs> Absolutely. And as always, do either of you have any other actionable tips for our sales leaders to implement in their sales playbook? All right, I'll get started here. And I want to take a step back. This is not something in your playbook, but this is about your playbook. When you're first building a sales playbook, or if you've already built your sales playbook, um, you can implement this in in a different way. But it's incredibly, incredibly important to have a cross-functional team that designs, builds, and manages your playbook. This allows you to hear from all these different perspectives. You can understand what content they think sales should have. They can document how should sales interact with and engage their teams, or even just who is on those teams, who should be your point of contact. How does, what does the team do? What's their purpose? What are their service level agreements that they can commit to? Um, How do they work with sales? So think about on that cross-functional team, you want representation, obviously marketing, we've talked about that a lot, but customer service, how does customer service work with sales? What what do they need to know about each other? HR, you know, are there handbook, uh, is there handbook information or are there guides or other things that should be in the playbook? Um, IT, they can really help with that system section. Um, Whoever manages your various systems should be involved in, in getting that information together. Um, whatever your delivery organization looks like, if you're in a service business and you've got, um, you know, client service teams or account management teams, or you sell a product and you've got a product development department, a maintenance department, delivery operations, whatever those teams look like, they need to be represented in building out the playbook. As they participate in designing the playbook and building the playbook, they're going to develop a better understanding of the sales team and sales processes. That'll help you better work together. It can reduce friction. If they say, oh, the sales team is told to do it this way. That's why they do it that way. Um, I need to make sure my my department understands that and adjusts. But they can also point things out where they'll say, the sales team does things this way. Do you guys realize that my department can't use the information? And so if the sales team changes the way they're doing that a little bit, 
um, my team can better benefit from it. And so having them participate on the team like that um, really allows them to share their perspectives. And I think we've all learned um, more and more about the importance of diversity in any perspective. If you just have one team building something, no matter what it is, they're going to miss things. You know, we see products that come out that are designed by teams of like exclusively white men. And there are aspects of it. I think there were cameras that couldn't really um, take pictures of people of color, like of people with darker skin, because they, they weren't capturing things. Or their products come out and women point out, hey, you, you should have this. And all the guys who design are like, oh, we never thought of that. Our, there are health programs that come out and it's designed to really support a lot of things that everybody needs, but there are basic women's health um, functions that aren't included. And so when you have a lack of diversity, you are going to miss things. And so just a diverse team is going to be helpful. On an ongoing basis, as you're maintaining a playbook, maybe you already built the playbook and you didn't get as many functions as you should have. It's, it's an opportunity to take a step back and, and engage them in maybe a refresh. But then on an ongoing basis, as you're maintaining the playbook, have the people from different teams responsible for maintaining their sections of the playbook. You know, they can evaluate what's working. Are people using stuff? If not, let them think about how to make it better as opposed to making that all on sales leadership to be responsible for it. So that's my, you know, simple little tip. (laughs) (laughs) And my tip is different. Mine would be to roll out building a sales playbook with a sales training. Um, Otherwise, you know, like we said, you're going to get these meetings, you're going to sit down to to fill out these pages and you're going to realize like, wow, we can't do it. So maybe you'll have to have that reality before you realize you need a sales training. (laughs) But regardless, like I think it's really important for when you're building it out so that your sales reps can get excited. Um, They have new information to put in it. They feel like they've had breakthroughs and discoveries and that the playbook itself um, is the most collaborative tool that it can be um, because it was built from a sales training and with your entire team present. Absolutely. That's so incredibly powerful and such an important um, way of activating a playbook because we do find that a lot of times people think all I have to do is build a sales playbook. You know, if you build it, they will come. That's not true. (laughs) And especially when the only person building it is in sales leadership. Um, And so if you have that sales training to roll out your playbook, you can get the whole team involved in pulling together those best practices. And then what you're going to find is they'll be more connected to the playbook. They'll be more likely to use it because they were involved in the rollout, which happens in a sales training. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just another tool that your manager tells you to use that you don't want to use and you don't want to log into. Absolutely. Well, we could definitely talk about sales playbooks all day, but it's time to wrap up. And I thank both of you for your insights and for chatting with me today. And thank you all for listening. You can find the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod191. And tune in next week for Elizabeth's interview with Dan McDad, managing partner at Prospect Experience. All month long, we've been writing about sales playbooks on the CFS blog, so be sure to check it out at criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog. Enjoy the show. Please subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to shows. Rating and reviewing the show helps other people find us, and we really appreciate it. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Ariana Miskell, Elizabeth Frederick, and me, Laura Marchand. Happy selling! Happy selling!